about three Christians, and they went on a fishing trip. And uh, while they were there, they became quite um, cordial, I guess, with one another, and they began to talk about their innermost thoughts. And one of the guys confessed that he struggled with honesty. And after making this confession, he encouraged the other two to confess to him or to each other perhaps what their weaknesses were. And so the second guy reluctantly, he says, well, he says, I, I kind of struggle with that, with that you know, sensual temptation. And then so they both looked at the third guy, and the third guy said, he says, well, you don't want me to tell you what mine is. He says, but if you insist, I guess I'll have to tell you. He says, I, uh, I struggle with gossip, and I can't wait to get home. <laughs> this morning, we're in Matthew chapter 12, and I thought it was wonderful. You know, I liked how John said that, um, you know, you got to get low enough sometimes so you can have blessings and healing from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, what that means is we've got to get humble enough, we've got to get low enough so that we can look up and that we can see it's not all about us and that there is a truth structure out there and there is a holy and just God that wants to help us and wants to get us through these things, but we have to get low enough and humble enough to say, I'm not perfect, I'm not right, and God, allow your word to to work into my life. Everybody say amen. Now, this morning, I just want to put a warning and perhaps a disclaimer out there. And, of course, the disclaimer is is that uh, during this message, I didn't uh, single one of you guys out or a bunch of you out for this sermon. But instead, it's just where God landed me this week to study. And then the warning is is that uh, some of you are going to get your feelings hurt. That your carnal side is going to get hurt, but your spiritual side can be set free. Of all the sins committed by man, the most prevalent are the sins of the tongue. James chapter 3 verse 8 says this, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, let's back up for a minute here. It says, but the tongue can no man tame. That's talking about the unrepented person, not just being saved or not saved, but it's the person who is not repented in Jesus Christ. Whether you're saved or not saved, you can't tame your tongue. But I'm telling you that if you are in Jesus and if you submit yourself unto his authority, you can, the Holy Spirit can tame your tongue. Everybody say amen. It can be done. This verse isn't saying, oh, well, you know, since I can't tame it, I guess I'll just say whatever I want to say. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, you know, um, they say things. Or they do things, and and they say, well, that's just who I am. I want to jack slap them in the forehead. It's not about that. It's a, it's about it's about yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. Listen, God didn't make you a gossiper. God didn't make you an angry person. God didn't make you a person that 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 rolls you into rage. God didn't make you that way. The fall of man made you that away. And when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you now have the ability to overcome those things through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And let me tell you, it's hard, 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 hard work. But God didn't make you that away. He wants to make you, he wants to take you apart and make you what he wants you to be. Everybody say amen. Now, um, so another verse of scripture talking about the tongue 
um, says this in James chapter 3, verse 2. It says, For in many things we offend all. If a man, if a man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and is able also to bridle the whole body. So it has been estimated that the average person and uh, the average person engages into 30 conversations a day, resulting in 25,000 words per day. And here it is. And in those 25,000 words lays your character and your judgment. Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 33. Within those 25,000 words, within your word lays your character and your judgment. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. And and in my Bible here, it, it's it's got it's got this listed as words reveal character. It says in verse 33, it says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now understand the context here. Um, the Pharisees are just are just you know here again, and this is part of the context. And and certainly they were not repented to the Lord Jesus Christ, and so everything they were saying was showing forth to be bad fruit. And he was letting the Pharisees know, hey, look, if 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 you don't know the Father, nothing good's going to come out. You got to know the Father first. Got it? That's what that's the context. Look at verse 34. And then he says, Ooh, he says, you brood of vipers. Now, there's nothing else worse to say than that. I don't know if you know what a brood of vipers are. Of course, vipers are poisonous snakes. OK, vipers are poisonous snakes. And a brood is a whole bundle of these poisonous snakes. So this brood, I don't know if you've ever watched the old John Wayne movie when, you know, when they're crossing the river, I think it was the cowboys, and there was this big nest, this big brood of water moxicans, vipers, going down there, and that boy fell off his horse into that, and he got, stung, you know, bit. I going to say stung, but uh, no, it wasn't lonesome. Okay, lonesome dove. I thought it was, the cowboys did it too, didn't they? I don't know. It don't matter. But but he fell and he got all these bites. Remember that? And so so he's calling these Pharisees. He's calling these people, um, these unrepented people. He says he says, and this is very strong language from our Lord. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, in other words, because they're not repented, speak what is good? In other words, you know, you you, you want to say what is right and what is good, but you can't do it because you don't because you're not repented. You don't have the Father in you. And it says here, the good man brings out his good treasure, what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure, what is evil. But I tell you that every idol, every careless word that people speak, no matter who you are, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Father, we love you this morning. And um, Lord, we just thank you for the word of God that we have. And we understand that um, our words are our character. And that somehow, Lord, that you recover every word that we ever speak. And of course, as Christians, um, you forget about those words that we spoke when we were unsaved. 
But Lord, that you do recover all those idle words, all those careless words, all those words that were said in intention, all the words that were that were, that spewed toxicity out of our mouths onto others. Those words that encouraged people to come to the to the to the to the faith of Jesus Christ. Those words to speak encouragement to one another. That Lord, you recover all those words. But Lord, you also we understand this morning that you that you also bring those words back to memory, Lord, of the words that we say that aren't edifying to others, that, that tend to make people move away from the gospel. So, Lord, I pray this morning that we'll just all search deep into our hearts and that we can be the best Christians that we can be this morning. And I pray for those maybe that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe there's no good in them because they don't know. You've got to be in them for good to come out of them, Lord. And so I pray this morning that you have your way in all of our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, verses 33 and 35. Notice number one, the first principle here is that our character is known by our mouth. Our character is known by our mouth. It says that, it says that which is in the heart of a person is going to come out on the surface, and it's going to be most obvious through what? Through their words, through their mouth. See, you don't have to talk to a person very long or you don't have to listen to a person very long to find out whether and, and what's in his or her heart. Are they wholesome? Are they pure? Are they lustful? Are they evil? Are they dirty? You don't have to listen very long. And what we say, listen, determines our love and commitment to Jesus Christ or not. And one doesn't have to listen very long to find out whether someone's heart is kind, if it's gentle, if it's thoughtful, or if it's cruel, because it's going to come out of the person's mouth. Um, look on the screen here. Don't, don't, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to, you can turn in your Bible to Job chapter 32. Job chapter 32. But Job is a, is a book full of verbiage. And if you've ever read the book of Job, and I'm sure you have, you know it's about Job and he's going through um, these difficult, this difficult time. He loses everything and all of his so-called friends, um, you know, they, they just didn't have a lot of kind things to say. They had a lot of verbiage and a lot of, a lot of words to say about Job. And so when we come to verse 17, Job chapter 32, verse 17 through 20, we see a guy named uh, Elihu and and, and he puts his two cents in, and he has listened to everyone else talk. Here's the context, and he's just about to die until he can give his own speech. And, and I want you to get a, a little idea of how the heart spills over into the mouth. I, I want you to understand how that heart is, is connected to the mouth and, and how it spills over, because Job 32 does a great job. So Elihu says this, and he says, I too will answer my share. I also will tell my opinion. In other words, everyone's talking, everyone's saying what they want to say, and he's got to put his two cents in. And he says, for I am full of words. Look at it. The spirit within me constrains or restricts me. You ever been there before? The Holy Spirit's telling you, don't say it, don't do it. That's what he's saying here. The Spirit's saying, don't do it. But look at what it says next here. He says, <laughs> he says but behold, my belly... That box, that, that heart, my belly is like uh, unvented wine, like new wine skins. It is about to burst. 
He says, let me speak that I may get relief. He says, let me open my lips and speak. You know, that simply illustrates how the mouth works. It is the place where the heart gushes. Understand that. And you can say a lot of things about what you really like, but sooner or later, when your mouth speaks, you're going to reveal what's inside your heart. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Look at this real quick with me. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. And I want you to, I want us to look at that principle again of, of this character. And it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, again, I don't have to take time to show you that this principle is all throughout the scripture. You can do that yourself. But, but if you want to see what they are, just read Proverbs chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, and chapters 8 and chapter 18. Read the first part of Psalms chapter 64 and just many, many other places, and you'll find this same principle illustrated all throughout it, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Then the New Testament, you'll find the same thing just weaved all throughout the New Testament. And Paul, when he begins to sum up the sinfulness of man in Romans chapter 3, as he comes to the climax of this of a man's vile character, he says, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. You know, the mouth becomes the ultimate demonstration as it were, of what's really in someone's heart. Proverbs 23, 7 puts it this way. He says, for as he thinks in his heart, what does it say? So is he. Now, let's look at verse 35, and let's expand this principle just a little bit. Verse 35, look at it here in Matthew chapter 12. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Now, here's something interesting. If I lost you, come back to me. The word treasure there is the the Greek word thesaurus. Did you know that? It's that, and you know, that makes sense, doesn't it? It's the word thesaurus. It means it's a, a reservoir. It's a storehouse. It's a treasure chest. You know, if you open a box, and here's what this is saying. If you open up a box... You will only take out of what's in it. Now, here I have a thesaurus right here. This is a box. This is a treasure chest, and I've had this since 1972. Can you believe that? My parents went to Spain in 1972, and they, this is all I got was this box. <laughs> but throughout the years, I have, uh, I have accumulated a lot of things. And so I put a lot of things in my box, you know, um, uh, I, I got this little, this is just part of them, but uh, I've got a bunch of coins, silver dollars, and I better put that in my pocket. Some of you guys, I can't trust you. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I've got a small coin collection here. I've got a, lots of pictures in here. Here's me at the drag strip uh, in my 66 uh, Chevelle doing a burnout. Um, here's me and a couple of my friends, um, and this is before Christ. And uh, but this was my my uh, mud mud drag truck, and you can't see that because I think someone had a beer can there. It wasn't mine, but uh, but anyways, you can't see that one. Um, here is uh, uh, more pictures of my race cars that I owned and different things. Um, yeah, more race, more racing, more racing, more cars. 
there's my dad's uh, Randy Round Dirt Track 56 Chevrolet. There's my auto uh, auto parts store that I owned and more pictures, but just just little treasures. There is my 243-inch uh, four-engine dragster that I that I had. And anyways, so that's part of what what we what we put in there. I'm, I'm going to make a point here, okay? Um, here's some more pictures of me as a as a child. I have in here all of my pets that their little collars once they got dead, I kept those. <laughs> and then I have a I have one tooth. For each one of my kids, their first tooth that they lost in here. So you see, here's my point: is that um, <laughs> this is this is this is the treasure, okay? This is that the source. This is the box, and 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 here's the point that that I can only take out of this box what I put in there. I can't take anything out of that box that's not in there. You get it? Guys, in each one of us, we're a box. We're a box. You have a box in you, and every man's heart is a storehouse, and what is stored there will spill out of his mouth. And so the Lord says then that you can be judged by that. So the objective by which God can determine your judgment can be the record of what you say. Now, we understand that if, if, you're, if you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, then no good can come out of you. In other words, you can't, nothing can be taken out that's not there. But here, here's the point that we're saying. If we are Christians, then what in the world is that junk in there? Why is it being pulled out when it's ugly, when it's reviled, when it doesn't bring God any glory? The gossip, the rage, the anger, and all those things that don't bring honor and glory to God. What's it doing in there? You see, it's what's what's in the heart is what's going to come out. But what we have to be as a people is to understand what that is. And we've got to get God's word and his love into us. We've got to yield to the Holy Spirit. And we've got to put in good so good will come out. Does that make sense to everybody? Come on, give the Lord a hand. That's what it's talking about there. A good person... A good person made good by the grace of God and the transformation of his heart will utter good things. And that's what the verse is saying. An unregenerated person can say no good thing, can do no truly good thing, and and that advances the kingdom of God. You know, what a tragedy. What a tragedy when a proclaimed follower of Jesus Christ spews junk. And junk is anything that isn't good, meaning anything that doesn't promote unity of the believer and of the gospel in the local church. You know, it's, it's sad to, as a pastor to hear some of the things that I hear, the things that are spewed out of some people's mouths. The contamination that I hear being said, the gossip, the complaining, the judgment, oh, how sad that is. And how it makes our Lord, like Revelation chapter 3, just want to vomit. And you know, that's really the number one reason pastors get out of the ministry. It's because of that constant battle of not having unity in the local church. Because things that are spewed out Where are you at? 
you know, statistics reveal that the majority of toxicity comes from females. Let's not be that statistic. Let's, let's be a church of unity and of love that speaks encouragement to the right, right thing. Everybody say amen. But men, we're just as guilty. Number two, principle number two concerning the mouth. Our punishment is determined, verse 36 and 37. He says, but I say to you that for every idle word a person may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. It says, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You know, some people have a problem understanding that we'll ultimately be judged on our works and on our words. Romans chapter 2, it says that God will render to every man according to his deeds. And here it says that God will judge us according to our words. And by your works and by your words will come your judgment. What this says is not to negate that salvation is by grace through faith. Listen, but simply to show you that salvation by grace through faith, here it is, will demonstrate itself in good works and in good words so that they, talking about our words, become the objective criteria by which God makes that judgment. Our words are accurate gauges of our hearts. And if you have a transformed heart and Jesus Christ has come into your life and transformed your heart, then you will speak words by which God will justify you, not condemn you. And if you have any questions about your judgment, let me just say this. Listen to yourself because your words will reveal what your heart is. Look at verse 37. He says, by your words, you will be condemned. Now, listen close. Every person is responsible for what he says or she says. And if he or she rejects Jesus Christ, then he or she will be responsible for that result of it, which will be a lifetime of useless, empty, evil words. Okay? And I believe primarily that this applies to unbelievers, the wicked, and they will be condemned by their words, and they will go to what's called the great white throne judgment where there's no second chances. But now look, we have to understand that there is an accountability in all of our lives. And for everything that we say, and God, again, has this way of recovering all of that and using it in the time of judgment, whether it's the great white throne judgment or whether it's the Bema seat for Christians. So what does that mean? Look at verse 37. By your words, you will be justified. Well, look, that means that a believer will ultimately be justified objectively by his words. And we are saved by faith in Christ. And if we have Christ in us, God will come out of us. You see it? You know, when there is a transformed heart, there will be a transformed mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's what the Lord's saying here. And with that judgment in mind, based on words, go back to verse 36. Go back to verse 36. Look at it. We have to give an account for every, and this is, this is good stuff here. Look at this. Look, look at what it says, that, that every one of us, look at me. I'm your pastor, and I, I, I love you so much. And this is just God's word. I'm not here trying to step on people's toes, but I'm just, expo- just taking, exposing the truth of Scripture here because I love you, and, and I'm your pastor. And it, it, look at what it says here. It says that we have to give an account for every idle word 
that we speak. The King James says idle. I think here in the New American Standard Bible, it says, it says um, um, careless. But this is a tremendous accountability. Everybody? Hey, this is true stuff. I'm glad I'm saved by grace. And I'm glad that, that I can't lose my salvation. But, but, but again, I want us to see that there's accountability. Because when, when we as Christians, we're not going to go to the great white throne judge, but we are, judgment, but we are going to go to the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. We'll have to stand and give account. And it says here that at that judgment seat at Christ, that when we answer for everything that we did in Christ from the point that we got saved, everything, everything before that's forgotten about, okay? Our sins are forgiven, but we do have to give an account for, for our lives after the day of salvation at the judgment seat of Christ. And one of the things that we we have to give accountability to is our idle words. You know, it, it doesn't say that we have to give account of our of our ugly words, just our ugly words. It doesn't say that we have to, just to give account of our blasphemous words. It says that we have to give account of every idle word. And that word Idle, um, every idle, is talking about every useless word. It means barren. It means unproductive. It isn't just the worst of our words. It's all of our words. We are accountable for all of them. You know, I, I want us to see this real quick. There's another thought here, this word careless, this word careless. And, and these are words spoke uh, in a thoughtless way, the thoughtless word that kind of just escape us. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us can protect ourselves because, you know, really we calculate our hypocrisy. And, and, and we say the right thing at the right place at the right time. We don't talk here at church the way we talk at home, do we? We don't talk here at church the, the way we talk at work or on the phone when we gossip or the way we talk to our brothers and sisters and mom or dad or friends. But then there are those times when we're careless and we're not, listen, careful, and we get angry. We might get upset. We might get anxious. We might get fearful. We might get irritated, frustrated. And then it comes out, these careless words. And you know, they really reveal what's going on. In public, we may appear noble, but in private, not so. You know, our mouth, our words reveal a lot. So what are the idle, careless words for which men must give an account? I wrote down a whole bunch of them here. I probably won't do them all. But the Bible says that they are evil words. And the, the scripture says, for the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. They are the lustful words. The Bible says, for the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. These words, these careless words could be deceitful words. And the Bible says, for the tongue is a deadly arrow which speaks deceit. Perhaps they're cursing words. The Bible says that his mouth is full of curses. Maybe they're oppressive words. And the Bible says his mouth is full of oppression. Maybe they're lying words, these careless words. The Bible says, for lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Maybe they're perverse or they're false words. The Bible says a wicked man is one who speaks with a false mouth. Maybe they're destructive words. 
The Bible says, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. Maybe they're vain words. The Bible says, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice. That's what Peter said. Maybe they're foolish words. The Bible says, the mouth of a fool spouts folly. Maybe they're just mad words. Well, the Bible says, the lips of a fool consume him, and the end of it is madness, it says. So when it comes time for our judgment to be made manifest, God can look at our words and know what are the redeemed because it will be obvious from what we say and how we speak. And I believe that as a Christian, we are accountable to God for everything we say. Everybody say amen. If we speak evil words along with all the good words that our new heart produces, we are going to be accountable to God for that, and we may be chastened in the day of the Bema seat, and we may even lose certain rewards. 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 3, verses, verses 22 to 26. We have to learn to tame our tongues. There are those good things there are those times that we praise God. There are those times that we exalt Christ. And there are times that we speak truth and we speak wisdom and we speak encouragement. And God pulls all that in. But he also pours in, pulls in all the other things. You get it? Let me read this verse of Scripture and we'll close with this. It says, these things ought not to be. It says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Do you know what salt does? Number one is it, prints, it, it prevents corruption. It, it, it preserves, it prevents corruption. Our voice and speech should never contribute to anyone's con- corruption. Everybody say amen. It should, always, it should always prevent that. And salt also has a way of adding flavor, so our speech should be charming. It should be encouraging. It should cause laughter and joy. Our speech should be spiritual and fitting and kind and sensitive and loving and purposeful and edifying and gentle and truthful. And we should pray, as the psalmist said in Psalms 141, verse 3, and it says, Set a watch. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. So when you speak your 25,000 words today, listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're saying. When you write your book of 50 to 60 pages today, were you to print it and pass it around, what would it say about your heart? What would it say about your character? What would it say, listen, what would it say about your judgment? What would it say? Look, 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 look at me. I'm not perfect. I mean, you know, just ask my wife. <laughs> She'll tell you straight up. We're all going to have slip-ups. But, but when we do, we repent, right? And when we repent, it means we're not going to do that anymore. Because the only way we're going to build unity, the only way we're going to, we're going to go forward and reach, and reach people with the gospel is, 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 is it, it's got to it's be here first, everybody. Amen? It's got to be here. We've got to be unified. We've got to be speaking the truth. And what's in the heart is what's going to come out of here. So I don't know where you're at this morning. Uh, maybe you're here and no good can come out of this 
because there's no good in here. Maybe you just need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Huh? But, 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 but maybe you've, you've accepted grace. And, and we're not saying that salvation is by works or by our words. We're saying it's by grace. We know that through faith. But, but sometimes we don't yield ourselves. And so maybe we just need to do a better job of, of putting the good stuff and filling it up so the good stuff comes out. And when the bad stuff like Elihu wants to come out, we say no. We, 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 we don't give in to it. Amen, everybody? So I don't know where this finds you this morning, but I know this is a, this is a, a subject that is true to every single one of us. Let's let our speech be seasoned with salt. Amen. Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Lord, I pray that all of us can just take a personal inventory and just kind of wonder and kind of think about and, and of just exactly um, the words that we speak and 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 are they words of righteousness? Are they words that bring unity to the kingdom? Are they attractive words that attracts other to the to the gospel sake? Because Lord, it all boils down to that we're born again believers, and so we're transformed, we're changed, and the old man has passed away, and behold, all things become new. And Lord, that includes that includes our speech. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that um, that through the Holy Spirit and through yielding to the Holy Spirit, that God, that will that we we can certainly tame our tongues and be a great example for the gospel of Jesus Christ in all that we do. Father, we love you and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, stand with me, please.